0: Hello, and welcome to the Will Preach for Food podcast. I'm Doug, pastor here at Faith Lutheran Church based out of Shelton, Washington, a congregation of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. You can learn more about faith at our website, www.faithshelton.org. Thanks for listening today. Today's reading is one of the more well-known stories that Jesus taught. It's Luke fifteen eleven through 32, often known as this parable of the prodigal son. Now the word prodigal comes from the description of the younger son's wild living in verse 13. It means reckless, extravagant, wasteful, over the top. A closer reading wonders about several, several prodigal characters in the story, including both brothers and the father. And whether maybe the younger brother is actually the hero of this story, and is, in fact, a way for Jesus to describe himself and to show how God's kingdom is being wasted in the world to this day, and that that's a good thing. So my sermon title for today is The Prodigal Jesus Revisioned. That is to say, this is a revision of this message because, well, I learned a few things since the original recording. So we'll start with the reading of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning at the 11th verse. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Well, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. But the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, the issue in Luke chapter 15 is the company that Jesus chooses to keep. The, by the standards of the religiously competent of the day, those uh, Pharisees and teachers of the law, Jesus is wasting his time with the wrong crowd. Sinners and tax collectors are called. Now these sinners and tax collectors, that's kind of a category for people who fall short of the mark, who don't make the cut, who haven't kept up. And the, these voicing their disapproval are the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the respectable, God-fearing, hard-working, tax-paying, church-going crowd. You see their eyebrows arching and their disapproving frowns. Jesus Christ! They mutter, "Why in heaven's name do you associate? Why do you welcome sinners and eat with them? Why do you bother with those people? What a waste of time!" These Pharisees and teachers of the law, I call them the grumpy church people. Essentially, they are criticizing Jesus. And this is, I'm going back to uh, Luke chapter 15, verses one and two. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's the criticism. They're criticizing Jesus for, for being a prodigal, for associating with the wrong people, for wasting his time with the wrong crowd. And so Jesus responds with uh, first a story about a prodigal shepherd and then about a prodigal woman. And now this story about a prodigal father and his two prodigal sons. We can look at the shepherd and the woman another time. Today, I want to focus on this father and these two sons and how this story illustrates God's amazing grace. So let's start with dad. Dad. God's amazing grace is personified by the father in this story. Everybody agrees with that. While the son was still a long way off, the father has compassion for him. He, He runs to his son, embraces him, and welcomes him home long before the son can muster a speech about being sorry. And this is the gospel promise for you and for me, that no matter how far you may stray, No matter how prodigal you or I have been in our lives, no matter how far or wayward our life or our choices, no matter what family, friends, or grumpy church people might think or say about you, the Father never stops loving you. The invitation is to repent, therefore, return home, and you will be received by the loving embrace of your Heavenly Father. Welcome home, we say around here. It's good to be home. Each one of us has experienced, has been embraced by by the Father, welcomed, received, forgiven, clothed in righteousness, given a place at the table by God's amazing grace. And so we seek to experience and exemplify and extend that grace toward others. That's what happens when we gather for Holy Communion. We're being given by the Holy Spirit a foretaste of the feast to come. And so in worship, we're sharing a meal with a bunch of forgiven sinners. That is to say we are practicing in this life to prepare ourselves for the heavenly feast that is to come but maybe that's not far enough maybe god's grace is even more amazing than we realize because maybe the hero of the story isn't the father maybe it's the prodigal son maybe jesus is telling this story about himself that this is a story of the prodigal jesus now hear me out on this. Uh, first, we understand Jesus to be the son of the father from eternity, the one who became flesh to show us the father, to reveal and carry out the will of the father. So which son more closely resembles the father in this story? Which son demonstrates generosity and grace? Who's to say that the son's journey wasn't the father's will and plan all along? Second, in the other parables in Luke chapter 15, the hero is active. The shepherd goes looking for the lost sheep. The woman goes searching for the lost coin. Even in this story, the father goes out looking for the older son by the end of it. It's the younger brother who leaves home and goes off to a faraway land. And that's what Jesus does, right? For us and for our salvation, we teach in the Nicene Creed, he came down from heaven. Or as the Gospel of John says, Jesus is the word that became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Third, the prodigal in the story is being criticized for wasting, spending, using up his family fortune while hanging out with the wrong crowd, which is exactly what the grumpy church people are accusing Jesus of doing. You know, welcoming sinners and eating with them. Here's what the Apostle Paul argues is the gospel. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him, receiving eternal life. That to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. The gospel is that Jesus came To waste his time with sinners like Paul, like you, and like me. So maybe this parable is saying that the spreading of the prodigal grace of God among sinners was the plan all along. That Jesus came from heaven filled with the Holy Spirit, spends his entire earthly ministry teaching, preaching, healing, sharing, giving away the grace and good news of the Father. And he leaves it all out on the field, as it were. And when he had spent it all, when everything had been accomplished, as he breathes his last on the cross, he recalls the faithfulness of his father. It is finished, he says. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And in death, Jesus returns to the father's loving embrace. And on the third day, the father vindicates his son by raising him from the dead, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. As Jesus glorified the Father by his faithfulness unto death, now the Father glorifies the Son, placing him at his right hand at the marriage feast which has no end. The prodigal is Jesus. And if you're still not convinced, consider this as well. By the time Luke records this encounter, the Jewish temple in Jerusalem has been utterly destroyed. So in the context of the Gospel of Luke, there is no more family farm. (laughs) All that remains of the Father's provision is that which the younger son had dispersed among all those sinners and tax collectors. The miracle of Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit to the people, replaces the presence of God in the world from from a single location in a building in Jerusalem to the hearts and lives of countless Spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ the church. Makes you think, doesn't it? All right. There's one more character. I'm turning my page here. Okay. There's, there's one who's left on the outside, and it is the older brother. He is the one in this story who is truly lost, the true prodigal. He's wasting his inheritance, missing out on the grace of his father. Now, at one level, the older brother is a critique of the Jewish leaders at the time of Jesus, those Pharisees and those um, teachers of the law. They, God's chosen people, but they had become possessive of God's gift, judgment, uh, judgmental of other people, insulated from the rest of the world, hardened to the idea that God might love more than just them. <laughs> they were the ones who were wasting their inheritance, missing out on the party. But here's the thing, the older brother, well, that's also me. I am the personification of the older brother who stays home. I'm 55 years old and I work at a church. If that isn't staying at home, I don't know what is. I have spent most of my life to this day being a good boy, managing my words and my actions so that I don't bring shame to my family or cause another person harm. But it comes with a price because I am insulated. I am am quick to judge and condemn the choices, actions, and behaviors of others, especially if they seem to be having fun. True story, I was on a business trip in New Orleans over Halloween in uh, 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 2017. I was staying at the convention center there, right there on Canal Street, the French Quarter, And it's late afternoon, and the whole place is starting to show up in costume. The streets are getting packed for a raucous night of Halloween celebration. And I avoided the whole thing. I spent the entire night in my hotel room, working on a paper, watching the Seahawks play the Houston Texans, anything but go outside. Why? Because those people out there were having fun. And that's really not something I'm comfortable with. So I totally get the dilemma of the older brother. It's bad enough that there's a party being thrown in the first place. But how can I actually relax and enjoy the party? If all my energy is spent on managing myself and trying not to judge other people for letting things get out of hand. It's nearly unbearable. And so I protect myself. I'm better off outside, I think. But here again, the amazing grace of God shows up. The father finds me in my locked motel room (laughs) and tells me that he wants me to join him at the party. He tells me that celebrating, mixing with all the wrong crowd, feeling uncomfortable, that's exactly the kind of crowd that God likes. It's not about me after all and that's a good thing. It's about the dead rising and the lost showing up and salvation has come. Jesus has already judged the living and the dead, so I don't have to. And if I'm sitting here in my room, I'm just wasting my time, wasting God's amazing grace sitting on the sidelines. Jesus came to welcome sinners and eat with them, including the chief of sinners, Paul, including the second most chief of sinners, me, including you there is room at the table for you as well come we say at communion for the table is ready we worship a prodigal god (laughs) may the amazing grace of god bless and encourage you today may god lavish you with the holy spirit may god's embrace hold you and set your heart at ease May God give us the humility and courage to set aside our prejudices and our pride, our fears, and come to the party to join the feast that has no end. Thanks for listening today, folks. Our website is www.faithshelton.org. This podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including Spotify and Apple and Google. You can like us, subscribe, donate, sign up for our newsletter. I want to thank you, Chaz and Nadia, for your production and tech support for this podcast. And all glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. (laughs)